Hey everyone, welcome to Fast Talk, your source for the science of cycling performance. We've got a special episode in store for you today based on something Trevor still does for Vela News Magazine, which is to write the workout of the month. Uh, we often will have time with our guests after we've recorded the main part of the show. We often chat with them about what their favorite workout is. It's turned into a regular thing, and we thought we would share a lot of these workouts with you today. There's such a variety of workouts to be had out there. You've got climbers that love their climbing workouts. You've got sprinters that love their sprinting workouts. You've got people that love a workout not because it's about the numbers, but because it's something they've always done and they've got almost a historical record of something they've been able to perform year after year after year. It's a, another sort of metric in that way. And then you've just got people that love to do something because it feels good or it feels right, not yep. because it actually hits the right energy systems or has this great scientific basis. The other interesting thing here, the truth of the reason why I want to do these interviews is I just didn't want the articles to always be Trevor's workouts, Trevor's workouts, Trevor's workouts. And part of the reason for that is, well, A, I am going to run out of ideas eventually, but you find that coaches and even athletes start to get a style. Uh, I certainly, like if you look at any of the workouts that I give my athletes, there's always a, a certain way it's written up, a certain way it's done. So it's really interesting and kind of fun to hear other people's styles, other people's ways of doing workouts that might not necessarily be my way. And I, I think it's very additive. So as we were listening to these, Chris, I think it was your idea to do an episode on these because, yeah, you're going to hear a bunch of workouts that you can go and try, but you're also going to hear some of the way these athletes and coaches think and the way they think about uh their particular workouts that I think is as informative as the workout itself. Yeah, we've got a collection of some domestic pros, international pros, mountain bikers, coaches. But uh, yeah, it, it speaks to that point about a bit of philosophy is brought into each of these interesting workouts. And so one of the things I found fun listening to all these in order is you saw some people who were very precise and very into the, well, you do this many minutes at this wattage, and then you do this many minutes at this wattage. So Neil Henderson had a, a bit of that approach. He was mm -hmm. very... As you would expect from as a you would scientist expect. like him. Yes. yes. And somebody who designs these things that destroy people and suffer fast. Right, right. <laughs> but other, what would surprise me is the number of people who, when you ask them the prescription, it was... Well, sometimes I do four, sometimes I do eight, sometimes I do 12. It depends on how I feel. And you go, what's your intensity? And it was it was actually also surprising how rarely we got, I do it at this wattage or I do it at this percent of X. Yep. It was, oh, I just go as hard as I can. We even had one where he's like, I do it all by speed. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Uh, what I got out of this, particularly looking at some of the, the, the people who gave these workouts is... Just a, a lesson of don't, again, don't get too caught up in trying to be overly complex and overly detailed. What I heard a lot of is workouts are hard. I need an element that's fun, that I enjoy so that I can go out week after week, do this workout and feel some satisfaction for doing this workout without totally destroying myself. So there's that need for 
uh, a sense of satisfaction and completion after the fact. But it also speaks to some of this vagueness that they use when they deliver it. It speaks to the, you have to go by feeling too. You can't just follow the numbers that are written down on the piece of tape sitting there on your stem. If you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. And you cut it short or you do it more or you do less. So it speaks to that as well. Yeah. And also just looking at the the purpose of the workout. So the one of the first people that we're going to talk to is Cameron Cogburn, or the first person we're going to hear from. And I love the fact that he's describing a workout for doing long hill climb races. And at one point in the middle of it, he goes, when we ask him the length, it goes, well, it depends. If I'm doing an hour hill climb, it's this. If I'm doing, so there's that race over in Asia that's... Taiwan KOM Challenge. Thank you. Yeah. That's like, what, a three-hour race? Something insanely long. Yeah, if you're at the front, it's three hours. 60-mile <laughs> climb, basically. So he's like, workout's completely different about targeting that. So he actually alters the workout based on what's the race that he's trying to build towards. We'll start with Cameron Cogburn, who's on a recent episode. He is a former pro now a PhD student. Here is his favorite workout on climbing. For a big climb, and this, you know, one year I did do that Taiwan KOM climb, which goes from sea level to 12,000 feet. And and this is how I trained for it. And this is what I'd recommend for these very long climbs where you have significant changes in elevation. And that is simply to mimic having less oxygen availability as you go up to in the session, in the interval, especially to progressively make it harder as, you know, as the duration goes on. So first you might start off at a, at a target power or intensity level. And because you're not climbing up thousands of feet, I mean, if you, you know, assuming you're on kind of a more or less flat training loop, in, in, in lieu of not having that, just make the session increasingly and progressively harder. And, and that will mimic the effect of having less and less uh, oxygen as you get higher and higher. And, and obviously, it's not a perfect one-to-one physiological map between the two, but I found it to be very useful. And, um, and that's definitely what I would recommend. So are you doing a time trial or are there actual intervals of a particular length here? So for Mount Washington, which is like a, you know, slightly less than an hour effort for me, I would do three by twenties. Sea level threshold is 400 Watts and I do 390 at the race. Then the first one I might do at 380, the second one at 390, the final one at 400 or, or whatever I can manage. So for the Taiwan KOM one, I would do a session where I would ride for an hour, I think. Maybe it was more like 90 minutes, but I started off right at that top of zone two, lower end of zone three. So high for for me again, I guess threshold around 400 is a high 290, 290 or so. And I would progressively make it harder. So I'd basically just go through the no man land, you know, the tempo zone. I'm similar to you guys. I I mostly do either very hard or very easy training, but for this length of, of race, you know, you know, I knew I'd be doing these types of power outputs. So you have to train it again, the specificity principle. So I would do like an hour starting at like 300, maybe ending at like 340, 350, 
then I would take a little bit of a break and then I would do more kind of like, because the Taiwan KOM was mostly like a 3% gradient. And then at, yeah, like 10,000 feet for the last 2000 uh, feet, it was just like a wall uh, to mimic that after having this fatigue in the legs. So after that first progressive hour, I would then hit like another climb more at kind of threshold and up and just try to keep the gas on and, and finish on a high note. So I would probably start mixing this in two cycles out. So maybe eight weeks before this is starting to get into kind of the specific prep. And then really in those three or four weeks before the big session of the hour long and then, or hour plus, and then something afterwards, I might only do that. I think I did that like two or three times. That's a big session, but, but specific prep really, yeah, the eight weeks before, and then the four weeks before you're really trying to, to get the demands of the, the race in your training without tanking yourself. So I think that's key. And, and, and like with Mount Washington, one of the, uh, you would think that the climb is just, a ramp, but it's not, it's actually got all these undulations in it. And so again, kind of breaking down the problem of the climb, that's kind of where these over unders, you know, come become useful. So maybe three minutes kind of right at 95% or 90% threshold, and then a minute or two minutes above threshold. And, and so, yeah, that's, you know, getting back to kind of breaking the problem down and then apply making a plan and then applying it. All right, let's hear now from Joe Friel and Jim Rutberg, the pair behind the new book, Ride Inside. And Joe Friel, obviously the author of the Cyclist Training Bible. They have their own set of favorite workouts here. Trevor, what are we going to hear from Joe and Jim? This is, this is a great workout. And what I, I do like about Joe's description of it is what we talked about at the, the very beginning of this episode, which is it's a hard workout. You get a lot of quality work, but you see that he's not being overly precise about it. It's find a, a hill of, of approximate length and it's, it's flexible and adjustable. Jim, we just got a really good on the trainer workout. And interestingly, this isn't a winter workout. This is actually more an in, in-season workout. I just did uh, uh, mine today, actually. Um, my favorite workout is, is hill repeats. Um, I like to do them relatively long, um, you know, anywhere from, oh, say six, seven minutes to 18, 20 minutes, um, at about, um, a little below like 90% of FTP or even hundred percent of FTP on a relatively, um, you know, re- relatively steep hill, like a six, seven, eight percent grade, and I find that to be uh, enjoyable because I, I I like the the focus it requires. You're trying to maintain a given effort, given power output, a given heart rate, whatever you're using to to regulate that that those intervals. And then uh, the nice thing about doing it indoors is you can make the recovery relatively short, which is the way it should be. It should be like like the recovery should be perhaps one fourth as long as the preceding work interval. And that you can't do outdoors when you're outdoors, you can't get back down the hill that fast. So consequently indoors is really a great place to do that workout. 
So, so that's my favorite workout. The only other workout is the one I'll do tomorrow, which is my other favorite workout. It's just to ride really easy. Just go out and smell the roses and have a great time. And that one I like doing on the road because I can enjoy the weather and, and uh, ride with my wife and have a conversation and so forth, which is difficult to do when you only have one trainer indoors. Fair enough. So going back to the hill repeats, how many would you do? And I'm assuming that depends on the, the length of the climb. Um, no, well, it depends on, yeah, it depends on how long it takes you to climb the hill, but typically anywhere from about 20 to 40 minutes total, uh, climbing time in the workout. Okay. Um, and that, that's a, that's a good workout. When you're done with that, your legs are tired. So it's, it's a, it's a good session. And why would you do that workout? What are the benefits of it? Uh, primary benefit is improves lactate threshold, anaerobic threshold, you want to think of it in terms of power, it improves FTP. Um, and it's also kind of one of those things that it's, it's not so hard that it really hurts, but it's hard enough that you're on the verge of hurting uh, the entire time. So there's a little bit of suffering that goes on, but it's not nearly the suffering that you have in a, in a race situation. Um, and so I personally, I just like that effort. Um, I find it very rewarding when I get done with that session, knowing I've put in 20, 30, 40 minutes of, uh, of uh, relatively high intensity up around FTP. Um, it's just a good feeling. Good. And final question about the workout is looking at the, the, the long-term training plan. Is there a particular time of year where you would use these intervals or can they be used at, at any point? They can be used at any point. What I would change is two things. Very early in the season, I would reduce the intensity to uh, maybe something like 15 watts below threshold. So it's more like a, like a three zone based on power, three zone effort um, in the base period, early base period. And I would reduce the number of intervals. So we're talking about around 20 minutes or, or even slightly less, maybe as few as 15 minutes for a workout. And that, that's a pretty good workout for just maintaining um, upper intensity fitness of FTP. Then as the season progresses, we move into the late base period and into the, the build period and the workouts will become more, um, become more intense. And, the, and gradually it also become longer in terms of total number of high intensity intervals you're doing. Okay. I love that. As Chris can tell you, that's my favorite workout too. Um, especially because we were talking about indoor cycling, um, the, to leverage, I, I, there's a workout I really like to do that leverages the, the features of a smart trainer. So a VO two workout of two sets of three minute intervals, um, three minutes on three minutes off, but the first set, well, one of the two sets being using ergometer mode and the other using level mode. And depending on either willpower or, or desire, you can do one or the other first. So either say, I'm going to go do the, uh, the first set of three minute intervals um, using level mode and just go as hard as I can for each of those three minute intervals. Um, and then on the second one, determine a uh, using um, ergometer mode and say that you're going to set uh, your your um, power output to 
I, usually I base it off of what the performance was like during the first one, uh, during the first set, you know, let's see what kind of where those power outputs were and notch it down just a little bit um, for the second set and then continue on with three minute intervals at whatever that goal power output is. So how many would you do in a set? Well, I mean, obviously it depends on the athlete. Um, for, for me, I can only manage about uh, four uh, in a set. So three by four um, in the intervals and then a, reco a recovery period and then a second set of uh, three by four. Um, but you, you know, a more advanced athlete might be able to add um, add some additional intervals. And second question for you, it's the same questions I asked Joe. Uh, why would you do this particular workout? What are the benefits? Um, power of VO2 max. Um, so you're increasing the, that um, anaerobic capacity, um, the, you know, improve the high end and it brings everything else up underneath it. And then final question is, is there a time of year or a, a particular point in the season that you would recommend doing these and in the time of the year that you wouldn't? For the competitor, um, you know, it's, it's the kind of work, I think, from a normal periodization plan that you do closer to your event. Um, it's more of a specialization in terms of, of um, uh, from a bike racer standpoint, but it's also the kind of workout that is takes a you can do any time of year just because it's um every once in a while you just need to do something that's hard um so there's it can be used kind of as the fun fun being relative um you know a, just a, a a standalone session that is difficult because you need a difficult session to for focus or whatever else. But if it's being used in blocks, in other words, you're going to do it twice a week or, or something for three or four weeks in a row, um, then it would be more towards the specialization portion of the season. All right, let's now hear from Neil Henderson, the director of sports science from Wahoo Fitness and a man who has created really demanding workouts for a living for years now, also a scientist. So we expect difficulty we expect precision out of him what has he got in store for us so neil is giving us a pyramid workout and so this goes back to we were talking about every coach and a lot of athletes ha have their own style to workouts um apparently in an episode a while ago i said i didn't like pyramids i remember that yeah okay and uh <laughs> i got called out i got an email saying well why don't you like pyramids neil henderson who's obviously an excellent coach, likes pyramids. And that, that was my response. I'm like, I don't really... My personal reason is because some pyramids cross too many energy systems, mm -hmm. which actually Neil is, is careful about. So I did say that, but I said, really, the main reason is my coaching style, I'm just not in love with pyramids. Mm -hmm. Neil is very effective with them. He loves giving them to his athletes. So this isn't a right or wrong. This just goes back to the, the style of the particular coach. And I do think he has a really good one here. I have a few favorites again. It's like my, you know, uh, ice cream flavors. You know, I love a lot of them. Uh, I love them all and love, love some a little more than others. Um, other than the blender from, from the Sufferfest, there's another one that I like to do. It's called, uh, it's, it's 
pyramid of power followed by uh, a, a medio effort. And so the pyramid of power that I do is starts with a five second, pretty much near max sprint, followed by 50 seconds, 55 seconds of recovery. Very easy. The pyramid goes then the efforts get five seconds longer and the recoveries get five seconds shorter. So the next effort you go into is a 10 second kind of controlled sprint, 50 seconds recovery. Then a 15 second effort, 45 seconds recovery. 20 second effort, which the target on that is usually around your like one minute max power for those 20 seconds, 40 seconds recovery. 35 seconds on, 25 off, or sorry, 25 on, 35 off. 30 on, 30 off, and then you continue to progress all the way up to the point where you do a one minute effort. That's the top of the pyramid. You take a one minute recovery and then you do everything coming back down. 55 on, five off. And that that one minute and those 55 second efforts are right around threshold. That's kind of the anchor there. Um, again, we bring it back down 55, five, 50, 10, all the way back down to a five second sprint to end. That takes about 22 minutes. We recover 10 minutes and then hold a 20 minute effort at uh, around 90% of FTP. That pyramid of power followed by that, that kind of sub-threshold effort is uh, pretty much my favorite. Every time I think my my workouts are mean, you're just like, no, let me show you. (laughs) Next, next level, Trevor. You don't know. But again, with purpose, with purpose. Purpose. So I do, again, have target power on those. Uh, So it's it's a very much a a, a twist on a two by 20. Right. So now what would be the benefits of this workout? On that long effort, that that 22 minute kind of with the micro intervals um, on and off, we're really running through the entire gearbox, I would say, in terms of the, the power output with those variations in recovery that we have high lactate flux. We have recruitment because you're accelerating in each of those efforts, uh, especially those shorter 5, 10, 15 seconds. And so really, we, we kind of run the gamut on that. You're going to have a, typically a normalized power that's going to be in excessive threshold for those 22 minutes, uh, even though the average power is a little bit below, but you are really kind of tapping across all those different energy pathways. Um, and then you get into that steady state effort after those efforts. And so you learn how to manage and control a steady state effort. Um, and there's a mental side of that. So the first one, because like it's going pretty quick, you know, those minutes go by very quickly in the on off, uh, then the 20 minute steady state you do after that, it's like, you got to be, uh, comfortable with your own thoughts and, and managing that effort then. So it has a psychological component as well. Fantastic. And what time of year would you do this and what would be your frequency? Uh, on something like this, it's not going to be right away. Uh, somebody would want to be building up uh, this would be kind of in a, in a pre-competitive phase. So after, after a foundation phase, um, we would go into building this, you know, prior to racing, uh, or a little tune up in between blocks of racing and wouldn't do this more than once a week. Um, pretty intense it, in the Sufferfest software. There's part of this workout in there. Uh, it's called the shovel because you can dig yourself a deep hole with it. And it's kind of just those pyramids going up and down. It's four of those pyramids, but split in half. Or, or two of those, sorry, one up and one down and one down and one up um, on the, the one that we use there. Next up, let's hear from Payson McKelvin, pro mountain biker, two-time marathon national mountain bike champion, but he's got a workout that involves one of these things called a road bike, Trevor. 
So why is Payson doing a workout on a road bike when he's a mountain biker? A lot of mountain bikers will do their intense, the majority of their intensity workout on the road. It's just hard to get the consistency and the quality that you often need when you're on a mountain bike trail, having to deal with rocks, having to deal with corners. So better if you're doing some sort of structured workout, get out on the, the road, do it there and, and do your skills work on the trail. For someone that still loves bike riding and, and the training component uh, at this point in my career, as much as I did when I was like a junior, that's a pretty tough question to answer. I mean, I just really love to ride and I really love to ride in the mountains. And I really love the, there's few things to me that feel more gratifying than feeling really fit and climbing on a road bike at speed and just doing it over and over and over and feeling like you have the depth of fitness where you're just kind of like unstoppable. So um, around this time of year, after loads and loads of aerobic miles out in the Malibu canyons here, that's sometimes where that starts to happen. It can be really hard to hold back from doing hmm. uh, like a six hour day with just tempo slash sweet spot on every climb. Um, so the climbs out here, y'all have maybe ridden out here are, generally speaking, at least 15 minutes long and some are 40 minutes long. I just love going out and settling in to what feels good that day, whether that's more tempo, sometimes it's closer to sweet spot, and just ripping up climbs and recovering as best you can on the descents and just doing it over and over and over and uh, kind of, quote unquote, plumbing the depths of what the aerobic, you know, aerobic endurance tank has to offer. It's sort of like a, a good disguise for just a soul ride honestly hmm. like when when hmm. a non-pro goes out and just hammers for a long time and it just feels really good to go kind of hard and they're in the zone and they just keep going kind of hard for a long time that's basically what we're doing so it's not it's not really a workout quote unquote but um it's really hard to beat those days and i love doing those days in the mountains of colorado um during the summer months as yeah, well yep, big time yep. obviously you get a hell of a lot more reward on the way down. <laughs> yeah. So just a couple questions about it. On the flats in between the climbs, yeah. what sort of pace are you going? Is that where you're, are you still trying to sweet spot or are you keeping it easy until the next climb? Um, it depends. But what's interesting about the terrain out here is that doesn't yes. really Fair exist. Fair enough. <laughs> Believe it or not. I mean, yeah. Uh, when I'm staying in Venice or Santa Monica here, you have about... 20 to 30 minutes of kind of transfer um, over to the canyons we call them and then uh, it's it's literally like half hour up 10 minutes down 45 minutes up 10 minutes down um, and then on the way back you've got your 20 minute transfer again but it, it's pretty much just on I mean in regards to elevation you know per 10 miles it's pretty typical to get nine to ten thousand feet of climbing and 60 miles. Yep. Um, the other workout that I often really enjoy are one minute, I guess, VO2 slash AC type efforts, like higher end VO2 um, with just a minute between, again, on a climb. Um, I, I love the, uh, I, I don't really know how to put it, but there's something about, and we'll kind of leave it open-ended too. So say, we have a 20 or 30 minute climb and you're not exactly sure how many one minute efforts that's going to add up to. And you're also not sure whether you're going to have the gas in the tank to keep doing those to the top of the climb. 
and it kind of becomes this, um, I mean, y'all know the voices that you get in your head and you, it's fun to try to rise to the occasion and have this finish line that almost is, is receding to an extent, if that makes sense. So rather than going in knowing that I have 10 one minute efforts, it's like, well, you have as many one minute efforts as it takes. (laughs) Um, and there's something that I find really motivating by going really hard for that minute and then only having a minute to recover and you're trying to recover while you're still climbing. So, um, that's a, that's a really fun workout where, uh, usually I get in a pretty positive emotional state. Um, and, and like the, the emotion kind of drives you to a little bit, uh, higher quality, um, workout. And so the one minute efforts, each one is all out or are you trying to be consistent with them? Are you targeting a particular heart rate or power? Yeah. Trying to, trying to be consistent. Um, when we did it, we did it yesterday to finish uh, a ride that had a pretty big um, tempo uh, sweet spot component before. So it was sort of what we did in the last hour. Um, and it was ba- basically, I was just trying to do 500 or more for the minute. Um, and that in that case, I just had 10 of them. So I sort of knew going in. But generally speaking, um, yeah, it's almost like a Rather than a zone, it's like a minimum, <laughs> minimum. Fair yeah. enough. Um, so as long as I can average over 500, then we keep doing them. And then if it dips below that for average power, then usually we'll, we'll cut it there. And what time of year do you do this workout? Is it all year round? It sounds like this is kind of a lead into the season if you're doing it now. Yeah. So day before yesterday was kind of the first time that I've had structured anything. Um and I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration because so, we'll do we'll do some inside if the weather's bad back in Colorado, um, kind of take advantage of that lab setting. But um, yeah, by and large, uh, it was sort of a just a little bit of a shock to the system uh, on purpose to make sure that uh, I hadn't gone completely aerobic <laughs> and dormant in regards to those um, above threshold zones. Um, so yeah, like I said, we did a big, uh, big aerobic subthreshold component and then finished it off with a handful of those kind of blasters, um, almost more of like an activation type thing. And then as we get a little bit closer to the race season, well, that's not even true because the season is so long that you can't really afford to be doing too much sharp stuff, um, even before the first races of the year. But, uh, that's something that I'll often use to kind of, I hate the phrase peak because you can't afford to peak when you're a pro mountain biker off-road racer because there's so many events, but um, it's something that we use to kind of sharpen up with. Next up, let's hear from Amos Brumble. Now, Amos is a coach and former pro from Rhode Island. He's actually someone I know personally, but he's coming on to Fast Talk in an upcoming Q&A episode, so look for that. But he's got one of these really interesting workouts, Trevor, that doesn't involve a lot of metrics besides some old school things like speed. I love that because we've had these discussions of pace by power, pace by heart rate. Here's a guy coming in going, yeah, I pace by speed. Mm-hmm. Which, So I remember a while ago I, was, I did a workout based on speed and one of my teammates was like, why would you ever do that when you have a power <laughs> meter? And my response kind of off the cuff was, 
there has never been a race in history that wasn't won by the person who had the highest average speed. Mm-hmm. So it's actually not a useless metric. In many ways, speed is the most important metric in any bike race. And you know, when you're targeting physiological systems, great to use heart rate, great to use power. They're going to help keep you at the right intensity. But I think there is a value to every once in a while saying, I need to go out and learn how to be fast because there are slight differences between riding for power versus riding for speed. My favorite workout actually takes place nearby. I have a small uh, loop that was in a neighborhood that was never developed. Basically, the developer ran out of money. The loop is, uh, its pavement is very similar to Ninigrate, about the same kind of width. Uh, There's a slight grade on it. And basically, I have a, a defined start where I will accelerate to a specific speed and then essentially like float it to like another point. And uh, I really love the workout, you know, so it's a maximum acceleration from a low speed, say maybe 12 miles an hour to about 26. And I do it in the shortest distance that I can. And then I hold that 26 like for another like probably 150, 200 meters. And, you know, and then I just do it repeatedly, basically until I'm exhausted. And then I, then I just go home. So, you know, <laughs> the whole workout probably is 45 minutes. Me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, I'm done. Um, but I've always found that that workout makes it so that if you do competitive road cycling, that you're able to move around in the field uh, more effectively because you can make little short accelerations to move within the group. Um, and I, you know, I just really enjoy the workout. So what's your recovery between each effort? How long is that? Recovery is a minute and a half. So I've kind of done the workout enough times to know that the loop itself winds up taking me two minutes. It's one kilometer around. And the effort in terms of like how it's broken up is the acceleration part is somewhere between five and eight seconds. And then, you know, the next 25 to 22 seconds is, you know, just holding the speed. So I actually do it entirely based on speed. And it's, yeah. and it's actually in terms of the fixed gear thing, I only use one gear. It's a 3914. Hmm. So I was going to say, you know, we were, We've talked with you about power and heart rate, but now you're using a, a metric for an interval that we haven't even talked about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you asked for my favorite workout. That's one based on speed. So you're saying yeah, the it's effort purely based on speed. The effort total lasts about thirty seconds, and then yes. you recover a minute and a half. And how many will you usually get through? Depends on the day, but I would say somewhere between eight and maybe fourteen. Okay. Depends on how that everything's go. The fourteen, I'm I'm crawling home. Fair enough. And what time yeah. of year would you do this? You know, a lot of times I'll I'll do it whenever. Uh, when I was actively competing on the road, I mean, it was a regular workout for me. Like on a, like a Tuesday, I would do it all season long. I would do it in the off season, at, all year. It's like I said, it was one of my favorite workouts. So I would just include it every week. Our final workout comes from Petter Vakoch. You've heard him on the program before. He is a professional rider with Alpes and Phoenix. He loves his big gear work. What does he have in store for us today, Trevor? This is just kind of a frightening workout. I just can't get past him going, 
I do these at, at 550 watts, pretty hard. <laughs> pretty hard, not all out, but pretty hard. Not that I pass out and puke all over the floor. <laughs> it's just pretty hard. And 12 of them. A, a large number of them. A Let's... large number. So I'm just, my suggestion here is listen to this and then adjust to human terms. Yes, very good. It's it's like, it's different now at the moment when we have to train inside and <laughs> we're <laughs> outside. So uh, I can give you the, my favorite now on the on the indoor trainer. Sure. Be, yeah. Uh, like during uh, during the ergo session, I would do twelve times uh, thirty seconds on uh, low gear around uh, sixty RPM with uh, like what for me would be maybe I don't know five hundred five hundred fifty watts or something. Like pretty hard, not all out, but but pretty hard, and it's like to recruit the uh certain types of of the of the of the fiber uh yeah of the like basically the fast twitch twitch fibers i would say you you should be able to to recreate with that with like high high tension uh, yeah. low, low low gear and uh this is something that it's it really makes makes the training fun and and go really fast so you will do this 12 times 30 seconds and uh, 90 seconds off and uh yeah like if i if i do this then then the session is is gone really fast yes. and it's something that it hurts a bit but not too much and uh, you have a good feeling afterwards uh, and and I, I think it's it's pretty beneficial for for the strength and for for training those type of fibers so so that's my favorite uh so it's just a good strength yeah. workout a good fast twitch muscle fiber yeah. workout yeah, 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 and it makes really the the time flies when you when you do this on the ergometer. So so that's good. Now, do you do and, it all seated or do you stand up at all? Uh, I would I would try to do it mainly seated. Uh, so I think it's not necessary to do it purely seated, but but I am to do it seated and maybe just yeah, if I'm if I'm getting too tired or you know, uh, I do a little bit of like from the seed as well to have a variety, but I would do the majority seeded. Okay. And how many sets would you do in a workout? I would do, I would do usually just, just one set. Okay. And the second question is how many times a week are you doing that right now? <laughs> just once or? Yeah. I'll, I'll, now I do it one to twice a week. It, it depends, like, I would say three times per, per two weeks. <laughs> okay. Okay, Trevor, it's your turn. What is your favorite workout and why? Yeah, so I'm still struggling because Joe stole my favorite workout. Oh, I man. love hill repeats. absolutely <laughs> love hill repeats. My other favorite workout, which... Is a completely different direction, but somewhat in line with with Amos. And you're probably going to go, wait a minute, this doesn't even sound like a workout. But it's that five six hour ride uh, where I actually do target an average speed. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you target power on something like that, something big like that? Yeah, I will certainly look at my average power afterwards. But the reason on the ride I target average speed is I am a breakaway rider, 
And it goes back to what I said earlier, which is at the end of the day, it's not about power. It is about how fast can you go. When you got a field chasing you down, they're not going, oh, you know, he's going this power, so therefore we can't catch him. The, the issue is they're, they're trying to go faster than you. Mm-hmm. And you have to eke out every little bit of speed. And you learn when you go out and do one of these rides and you target an average speed, where are the places you can get speed and where are the places you can recover a little bit? Which if you're just looking at power, you're not going to notice those moments. So it's that when you hit that little climb, pushing over the climb and getting back up to speed quickly, that from a power perspective doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, it's making your, you know, getting a little bit of rest on a downhill, but going hard enough that you don't lose too much speed. It's just all these little things that you learn only by doing that could actually have a big impact on your average speed that you can't learn using using just looking at the wattage on your computer. So when you're doing this ride, the the entire time, are you imagining a pack of wolves just trying to devour you from behind, just chasing you down? And that's what keep, motivates you to keep pushing harder and, and keeping that average speed up? I'm not joking. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I don't know. Is this a nightmare that you have on a regular no, basis? No, it's not. Chris? It's not. I'm just You're curious. on your bike just... being chased by wolves, but the bike won't seem to move forward. And and I'm naked the whole time in a public square somewhere in a city. Giving a speech while riding your bike? <laughs> yes, right. All of, the, all of my fears. And the bully who beat you up in fifth grade is nah, there? No, no bullies ever beat me up. That was, no, your, I... that was you. I have never actually pictured wolves, but I, I do – I have a screen with on, on my Garmin that shows the person that – a virtual person you can race. Mm. And I have them set at the average speed that I want for that oh, ride. Okay. And I do try to race them and see where I can take time out of them, hmm. where I lose time to them. So you've video you've, – you've gamified the ride a little bit in Completely. that way. Yeah. It, it is all game. And how, when are you doing this? What what, tar- what t- time of the year are you doing this? Yeah, that's a good question because I would definitely not do that in the winter. Mm-hmm. This is a hard workout. So this is something I'm going to do during the season as I'm really trying to refine my form for, for the races. As a matter of fact, when I lived up in Fort Collins, I had a route that I would do every spring uh, that I would, I had at average speed, I targeted for that that I, I knew I wasn't ready to race until I could hit that average speed. All right, Ryan Kohler, head coach Ryan Kohler, what is your favorite workout? I've got a springtime routine that I love to do. It's uh, a number of hours, but uh, basically I'll drop the kids off at school around 8 and then take off on the bike from there and head into the various canyons around Boulder where I'll just uh, pretty much put in as many miles as possible and climb as much as I can until I roll back to pick them up at two. So yeah, during that time, it's the focus is on just climbing consistently and not not digging too deep on those climbs to the, to the point where I can be very repeatable and, and survive the entire day. And then, um, I'll also focus on nutrition where, you know, when I'm climbing, I've got my bottles and, uh, I'll, I'll pretty much just drink from those to make sure I have stuff coming in. And then as soon as I get to the top of a climb and start descending, I'll just take out the solid foods in my back and start pounding those and getting ready for the next one. 
Are you targeting a specific power output wattage on these climbs, or is it more a feeling that you're going on? Definitely more of a feeling. Yeah, I do have power and heart rate showing, and I'll use that to help gauge and just know, you know, if I'm feeling really good and, and I see the powers up, that's great. But I'll also I'll pay attention primarily to the feelings of my legs, make sure that they're not, uh, you know, they're not just excessively burning or heavy or anything like that. I'll try to think about it as as like, okay, I'm doing this one and an effort that's going to allow me to feel good when I go over to the next climb or canyon. And you said this is a springtime ritual for you. Why do you do it during that time of year? And what do you get out of this? I mean, I think one is the weather. I just like to, you know, starting to get outside in the nicer weather, it's just a great way to spend a day. And um, then with some events coming up, you know, around springtime or, or early summer for me, uh, I feel like it's a good time where I can get some a good training load. And I'll usually do it over about three or four weeks in um, kind of March, April timeframe and do a build right there. And, and then I come out of it feeling pretty good and ready for some more. So let's turn this around. Chris, <laughs> what is your favorite getting chased by wolves workout? Well, you know, back in the day when I legitimately trained to race bikes, my, ironically, given what you said about Neil Henderson's effort or uh, workout. My, my, one of my go-tos, one of my favorite workouts to do was a pyramid. And it was a very basic build. One, two, three, four, five minutes, then down, four, three, two, one. Um, whether that made physiological sense for me as a racer, don't really know. Wasn't really thinking about that. Um, why did I do it? I did it because... I liked it. I think I performed well in it. So it gave me confidence, which I think is one of the components of a fav having a favorite workout. You, you need to be able to do it well so that you feel like you're hitting that target, whatever that target is. I also feel like the one, two, three, four, and five minute interval times each have their own, uh, challenges both physical and mental and so it it while maybe a criticism is it hits too many energy systems in one workout i don't really know but to me that was it it's it's one of its advantages is that within a very short amount of time uh you could be challenging yourself across a, a range of these um, efforts and again both from a physical and mental point of view so that's that was my go-to, one of my go-tos. I would do it, you know, maybe once a week for a couple weeks leading up to some target races, some bigger races. I wouldn't do this all that often. It definitely wasn't something I did except right before race season or right in the, the, the early stages of race season. Um, and it was all about sort of wrapping your head around, what does that add up to? Uh, you know, 15 to 20 minutes really, I guess, of total work, but some super hard, intense work that you just need to stomach and get through. Now, what was your recovery like between the intervals? Was it the same or? Yeah, it was one minute hard, one minute 
recovery, two minutes hard, two minutes recovery, three minutes hard, three minutes recovery. Again, super simple, maybe even too simple. I don't really know. I wasn't thinking about it in terms of science then. This was this was back when I just went, I mean, I still go primarily by feel and I'm not training in this way really anymore. Um, but it it was just a logical, let's do it this way. Let's keep it really simple. Go out there, smash it be done with it and feel good about it good that was another episode of fast talk email us at fasttalk at fasttalklabs.com or record a voice memo on your phone and send it our way subscribe to fast talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts and be sure to leave us a rating and a review the thoughts and opinions expressed on fast talk are those of the individual for cameron cogburn joe friel Jim Rutberg, Neil Henderson, Payson McKelvin, Amos Brumble, Pettervac Coach, Coach Trevor Connor, Coach Ryan Kohler. I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening.